0: Today, we invite you to join Bishop Robert Barron as he preaches the gospel and shares the warmth and light of Christ with each one of us. Peace be with you. Friends, what a privilege we have this weekend, because our second reading is one of the really great texts in the Bible and really in the literature of the world. I'm talking about St. Paul, his first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 13, and this wonderful reflection on love. Now, this is so central because love is so central. Love is what God is. So everything else in theology, in religion, in liturgy, everything else centers around this reality, love. And Paul speaks now in this beautiful way about it. So I'm just going to, Walk through this text and comment a little bit. Although the best thing you can do is just take it out yourself at home sometime and and read it through. Maybe read it aloud. Let your kids read part of it. It's one of those texts that just defines who we are. Listen now to Paul. If I speak in human and angelic tongues but do not have love, I'm a resounding gong or clashing cymbal. So, to speak in... Tongues, this spiritual gift, yes, even the tongues of angels, to speak a heavenly language. what a wonderful thing, and indeed it is, But if I do all that and don't have love, then I'm no better than a clashing symbol, this this raucous gong love is the heart of the matter. Everything else is commentary. Love is central. Everything else revolves around it. Therefore, it's the best way for us to organize and prioritize. If love comes first, great. Then I'll find a way to use this gift of tongues well. This is he goes on. If I have the gift of prophecy, comprehend all mysteries and all knowledge. Oh, what a gift. I mean, people would, would die for that kind of knowledge. Think of the great story of, of Dr. Faustus, you know, someone that would sell his soul for knowledge. Think of our culture that's so preoccupied with information. Boy, if I could have knowledge of all mysteries, all science. How wonderful that would be, and indeed it would. But if I have not love, listen to Paul, I am nothing. In other words, all of that will turn to dust. All that will amount to nothing if it's not informed by love. If I have faith so as to move the mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. Same thing. Now, what's interesting here is we're in an explicitly religious context. I'm a person of faith. Isn't that great? Isn't that what we want? Isn't that what God desires? Well, yeah, yeah, sure, faith is great, indispensable. But I don't have love. I'm nothing. So what is love? And this is the key, isn't it? This is the hinge. What is this absolutely indispensable reality? I always rely on Thomas Aquinas. To love is to will the good of the other as other. Not to will my good through you, that's indirect egotism. Not to do nice things to get attention. Do nice things so people will like me, that isn't love. That's indirect egotism. To love is to break free of the black hole of my own self-regard and truly to want what is good for the other. Listen, everybody, that's what God is. That's what God is. That's what God is. And that's why everything revolves around it. Now, listen as Paul goes on with this in mind. Love is patient and love is kind. Do you see why? Love wants the good of the other. Therefore, it, it doesn't say, look, I tried, and that's it. I'm giving up. No, that's the voice of egotism. That's the voice of, of self-regard. I Haven't I done enough? No, no, no. In the beautiful King James rendering of this, you get love is long-suffering. Quite right. Love is willing to suffer for the sake of the other. It's not jealous, Paul says. Do you see why? Jealousy is always born of egotism. Someone's outshining me. So i got to bring that person down. I gotta, I've got to undermine him, complain about him, make fun of him. See, all that's, all that's generated by egotism, by self-regard. But love wants the good of the other. That's what love is. So it's not jealous. It, it rejoices in the success of somebody else. It's not pompous, it's not inflated. Well, you see why. What's pomposity or inflation? It's just the ego's way of drawing attention to itself. You know, we puff ourselves up so people notice us and take us seriously, etc. But love has no interest in that. That's the opposite of love. Listen, it doesn't seek its own interest, Paul says. Well, that's the essence of love. That's the definition of love. It doesn't seek its own interest. I like this. It's not quick-tempered. It does not brood over injury. Again, do you see why? Quick-tempered. You lose your temper. That's because you're preoccupied with yourself. Someone's offended me. Someone's not doing it my way. So I lose my equilibrium. I make my demands. See, but love doesn't care so much about what's happening to... To the self, it worries about the other. And that's why it doesn't brood over injury. That's a game we all play, isn't it? Is it? <laughs> we are very, very attentive to the ways that we've been injured. What they've done to me, the way they hurt me, the way they were unjust to me. But see how all of that is ego-ordered, ego-driven. But love isn't like that. Love is a different trajectory, and therefore it doesn't brood over injury. It forgets about injuries. So what? I, I've got to move on. And then this, it does not rejoice over wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. It, Paul is, is cutting very deep here, isn't he, friends? He's he's seeing deeply into our psychology. How often we do rejoice over wrongdoing. The Germans have that lovely uh, word Schadenfreude, you know, which is the the joy we take in the in the misfortune of somebody else. But especially I might say the moral misfortune of someone else. when, when somebody else has done something wrong, oh well, we love that. That's why we love gossip so much. We love to read gossip columns. We love to find out how the celebrities have have made another big mistake and how they're, they're getting a divorce or they're, they're falling into alcoholism or whatever it is. We actually rejoice over wrongdoing. But see, love has no interest in that. Love isn't going to rejoice in wrongdoing, but rather what, says Paul? It rejoices with the truth. Good. When someone's living a good life, someone's living in accord with the truth, the person of love rejoices in that person of love revels in that. And then how beautiful as Paul goes on. And again, I urge you, friends, read this text sometime this week. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Read this text. Paul says, it, love, bears all things. You see why? It puts up with all things because it wants the good of the other. It's willing to bear the burden of the other. See the person who's egocentric, I'll, I'll bear a little bit. I'll bear a, I'll put up with you a little bit. I'm not going to bear all things. But see, if you're you've been possessed by love, well yeah, that's all you want to do. Think of, you know, make it concrete. Think of a husband who truly loves his wife. Think of a, a mother who really loves her kids. Of course they'll bear all things. Of course they will. Love hopes all things. See, it's not, that's not giddy optimism. Hope is something much more powerful and strange and enduring. Hope's all things. Everything's going wrong. Yeah, but the person of love is is just interested in, in what is possible, what can be. Hope's all things. Endures all things. It puts up with, with the whole world collapsing because it's not focused on the self. It's focused on willing the good of the other. Think of someone like Pope John Paul II, Karl Wojtyla, who endured the Nazis and all that that meant, endured communism and all that that meant, and emerged eventually as this person of radiant, grace filled love. Love endures all things. Look how Paul ends. Love never fails. Again, do you see why? Because love is what God is. And God is eternal. God is absolute. God is a rock. That's why love never fails. If there are prophecies, and there might be, Paul believed in them, they will be brought to nothing at the end of the day. That's true, isn't it? If tongues, and Paul spoke in tongues, he knew about that, but they will cease. If knowledge, and Paul knew about knowledge, he was a very smart man, studied the Jewish scriptures, he knew the Greek philosophical tradition, he knew about knowledge, but it'll be brought to nothing. Now, see, why? Why? Because this world is passing away, but love is what God is. And that's why love never fails. Love never passes away. It's why, indeed, we speak of eternal life Because we intuit correctly that love is stronger than death. Love is stronger than any of the great goods of the world. And then listen, when I was a child, I used to talk as a child, think as a child, reason as a child. When I became a man, I put away childish things. Friends, I know um, people who are in their 60s and 70s who think and reason and talk as children what I mean is they have no spiritual maturity. Obsessed with wealth and pleasure and honor and power, obsessed with knowledge, obsessed with their own egos. See, Paul's point is all that is child's play. The spiritually mature person speaks of love, wants love, seeks love. At present, Paul says, we see indistinctly as in a mirror. That means the way we see things now in this world. But then, face to face, the then he's talking about is the then of heaven, of eternal life. When I'll be so transfigured by the divine love that I will become utterly conformed to it. To live your life even now, even now, as though that's the deepest reality of your life. That's the key to happiness. That's when you will think and reason and talk as a mature person, not as a child. That's how your life becomes properly focused and organized. Love first, love last, love in all things. Read 1 Corinthians 13 this week. And God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's homily from Bishop Robert Barron. For more resources from Bishop Barron, please visit wordonfire.org.